Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. We have a real special guest to name her. Her name is Heidi Siefkes, and she's an adventurer who shares her amazing story with us to us. Now, what's happened to her is, is something amazing. Her adventure starting with breaking her neck while taking out the trash. And, and that is quite a way to start any adventure. Let's go through that. Well, thank you for having me on, Dr. Leica. Uh, once again, uh, my name is Heidi Siefkes, and I'm an author, a TEDx speaker, and an adventurer. That's what everybody always focuses in on. And my story started with something as mundane as taking out the trash. And uh, that was nearly 12 years ago. And I don't remember any of it. That's, that's uh, the catcher here. A thousand pound tree limb bonked me on the head and wow. knocked me out, wow. breaking my neck. And five days later is when I came to at the ICU in Poughkeepsie, New York. And talk about something scary is when you don't remember driving to work or a day of your life, but five days of your life and you're waking up in an immobilization brace. That's something that you take a step back and panic. Yeah, well, obviously, you've recovered. I mean, you're, you're have all your faculties there, you're speaking well, you're moving well. So my so, hands work. Yes, yes, everything seems to work, which is really nice. But that caused a life change for you. I mean, At that event really caused you to really think about things and do things differently. So let's go through the, the process that went on there. Well, uh, when you lose something as important to your health, a lot of other things are affected. So I say that that tree limb that bonked me on the head had a ripple effect in other areas of my life. Um, while I was recovering from neurosurgery and in that brace, I had the opportunity to look at my life uh, on every level underneath a microscope. So it forced pause to the daily life, which included being a high power travel industry executive, uh, happily uh, married, you know, mid 30 person that enjoyed tr travel, uh, activities outdoors, going to the gym and having all these healthy relationships with friends, family, all of that kind of stopped in a blink of an eye. And, uh, during the lengthy recovery, which was about a year, I looked at every part of my life, but under that microscope, as I said, but through a new lens. Without the busyness of the normal life, I could section things and look at them in a different perspective, which I uncovered some uh, good things about that life, but also some things that I wanted to change and perhaps throw out like I did the trash. It sounds like a good thing because 
you know, what happens often when a person goes through trauma, they look at things in a different perspective. They look at it through that different lens. And that post-traumatic phase is one where they rebuild and, and basically look at those things and change things around. Now, you change things around almost 180 degrees, I understand. Yes, um, I didn't know it at the time, but I have become an example of post-traumatic growth. People talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, but there's also a flip side to any loss or hurdle that you encounter in life, and that's to use that low point as a springboard for positive change. And that's what happened when I lost my health. I eventually went through a messy divorce and I lost my high-powered career. So I basically had a clean slate and I had the opportunity to, to either rebuild the life before, which some of it was serving me, but not all of it was, or to architect a completely new one. And that's what I decided to do. And I use the word architect because it's not like I was building and I didn't have a plan in mind. I was, I had the design, uh, where I wanted to go. And then I started the building from there. That was, I wanted to do something that uh, was a little bit more creative. I didn't want to be limited to a cubicle. I also wanted to impact other people's lives and share what I learned from this accident, which was the power of perspective. That perspective that we gained through trauma there had to be another way to tap into that power without getting hit on the head with the thousand pound tree limb. Yeah. And, and that's important. Now you, this is 13 years later now and yes. you basically did a lot of rebuilding. You're now living in Hawaii and not Poughkeepsie anymore. You're, you're living a totally different life. Let, let's talk about how you got there. The road from Poughkeepsie uh, took me to South Florida, and there is where I fully recovered. Um, I had the help of, I would say, a wonderful neurologist. Uh, he was someone who instilled in me that I was physically strong enough to go on, but he also knew that I needed to deal with the mental and emotional trauma of what happened. And so he says, we are going to um, heal all of you. And that also meant that I enlisted members of my clan. And I say clan because my actual DNA family is fairly intimate. We're only three. So there were colleagues, there were people from um, all walks of life, even other countries that were helping me rebuild my confidence as well as my path. And eventually after my doctor said, you're healthy, I had to prove it to myself. And what did I do? I decided to get on a plane, go to the furthest point south in Chile and go for a walkabout in South America independently to go to Torres del Paine National Park to do an adventure where I saw my first glacier. We were doing camping, hiking, uh, wildlife that I hadn't seen before. I was experiencing the world like a kid again, but in, I guess, my 
new life 2.0 body. And I proved to myself that I could do anything at that point. And I was strong enough on all three levels and that I was going to share my story. And that's where one of my fellow hikers told me, you need to write this story. It sounds actually like a book or even better yet, a movie. Yeah. And, and you did write a book. You not only wrote one book, but you wrote two. Uh, I've actually written three now. Um, the first tells the story of the tragedy to triumph post-traumatic growth uh, story. And it's called When All Balls Drop. And I think a lot of us can connect to that because there comes a point in time where you feel like, okay, what's next? And if it hasn't happened to the listeners uh, yet, be prepared for it because it's going to come someday. And uh, the cover of it uh, actually has the fall leaves of a tree as well as uh, balls uh, to connect to the tree limb. The second one, it talks about how you can architect a new life without having that uh, tree limb hit you. And it talks about ways that you can tap into perspective in unique ways. And it's called with new eyes. So it's, it's connecting to that perspective piece. And then the third one is a introspective travelogue. And it's probably everybody's favorite cubicle to Cuba. And it talks about um, my nearly 10 years of leading tours in Cuba and uh, leaving no stone unturned in the once forbidden country, as well as uh, some tidbits of inspiration that you can learn from a culture that hasn't been as hooked to technology as ours. And, and yeah, Cuba is very interesting that way, that it doesn't have the technology that we do and it doesn't have it, but it's a very, very nice uh, country and that they're, uh, you know, they take some of those old cars like you have on the, on the cover there. And although they're ancient, they keep them going. They keep building them. They keep them going. And they're almost like they're new. Yes, uh, I would say that underneath the car of all of those classic uh, convertibles uh, is the UN because they, yes, started out as a complete American classic car, but now inside you're going to have a Hyundai diesel engine, you'll have duct tape, you'll have, you know, um, mismatched parts, but they run and they're beautiful. Yeah. And sometimes they even make the parts when they're not available. Yes, exactly. They are, um, geniuses at reinventing or repurposing items yeah, for sure. or creating them. Yes, for sure. That's, that's the point. Of, that's the nice thing about old cars. You don't have to stick it on a computer to make it work. You just have to figure out what the problem is and just make it work. And, yeah. and you know, there's always a solution that way. There's always a way to, to you know, old cars. There's a junkyard where there's a lot of old parts for these, you know, so it's interesting how they can be made or bought. Absolutely. So uh, you Let's turn the tables a little bit okay. about your writing career. Now, it's said that it's not hard to write. All you have to do is slit your wrists and bleed. Is that your experience as well? I don't believe that writing has to be painful. Actually, uh, as a child, it was the subject that I struggled with most. I was much more adept at math and science. But 
through learning my second language, which is Spanish, I tapped into my gift of playing with words and being a wordsmith. However, when you are recounting something that is painful, it's going to bubble up those emotions, those tearful moments that you've had. So writing a, a memoir is going to be the trials and tribulations on another level. And I say this not only as a writer, but as a storyteller, because writing it was sometimes painful, but sometimes joyous as well. But I also did the audio versions of my book, and I was the narrator. Now, reading my words and hearing my voice, that was something powerful. When you hear your story through you know, your headphones as you're listening to what people now do on their way to work, uh, they're audible. And uh, gosh, that was more impactful than actually the writing process was seeing it uh, full circle, I guess. And, and there's a bit of catharsis built into that as well, where you actually heal at a different level as a result. I think a lot of people's books are written because they haven't totally dealt with the situation and they're helping others people heal as well. And I think that's important uh, for people to heal on those levels. Let's talk about you in Hawaii now and what you're okay. doing in Hawaii and the exciting things you're doing there. Well, uh, I live on the island of Maui, which is the Valley Isle, and it is home to Haleakala, the Sun Gate. And um, I take every opportunity to enjoy the outdoors, especially uh, these last two years where uh, indoor stuff uh, has been pretty much off the table. Uh, I enjoy things that put me in the moment and I classify all things that put you in the moment, adventures. Uh, they don't have to be always uh, physical activities. They could be uh, mental activities like learning a new dance uh, or, excuse me, learning a new language or writing your first blog post, something that requires 100% of your attention. Out here where it's quite windy and the currents are quite strong, Kayaking and stand-up paddleboarding take a very distinct, uh, different, more aggressive level. Uh, so uh, I enjoy kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding, snorkeling with turtles, as well as hiking. Actually, yesterday I was on one of my favorite trails, and uh, nothing puts me uh, out of the, uh, I would say, the running to-do list that we all have better than doing an adventure. And, and I think that that's rather important as well to get outdoors, enjoy nature, be part of nature. I, I think people should take that every opportunity to do that. And, and nowhere do you really have that chance in us as in Hawaii. Hawaii is, is a playground almost all year round where the weather is very nice and, and there are a lot of things to do there, be it water sports, be it hiking sports, be it adventures that way. And, and I think that that's the nice thing about it. But, you know, part of Hawaii also came through adversity. And uh, one of the islands I used to go to was the island of Kauai. And, and Kauai 
has a reputation of being a sugar uh, island because they used to grow a lot of sugar. Now, one of the early pioneers there had a great uh, problem in that there was a fire that destroyed almost all his crops. And so what he did was he took all the crops and he bundled them up. And surprisingly, that fire allowed a higher harvest and a higher yield of the sugar. So that became the mainstay on the islands of Hawaii of burning sugarcane when sugarcane was a problem. And I know Maui doesn't have much sugarcane now, but I remember many journeys that I was there that the sugarcane was burning at various times and, and there was smoke all over the island. Yes, it was one of the major crops on Maui as well as pineapple. And now there is no sugar, uh, grown here. There are, of course, Maui gold pineapples here, but we are getting a resurgence of agriculture on the island. Right now in the Central Valley that used to be completely uh, plain and almost desert-like, we have a lot of citrus fruits that have been planted over the last couple of years, lemons, limes, uh, oranges, as well as coffee, and I'm looking for, and breadfruit. I'm looking forward to seeing the Central Valley green. That would be nice. Uh, the, the Kona coffee is one of my favorite. It's a very a distinctive coffee that has a very nice flavor and a very nice aroma. I, this year, I had the opportunity to do an adventure that I had never done before. Uh, I have lived in the Hawaiian Islands, I would say, about five years on Kauai first and now Maui. And um, Kilauea has been active for the last few months. And one of my regrets uh, was never having experienced an active volcano. So just a few months ago, I took a 36-hour whirlwind uh, trip over to the Big Island and uh, got to witness seeing the activity and that kind of burnt orange uh, at night with the Milky Way above and as well at dawn. So that was a uh, a once in a lifetime experience, or maybe not a once in a lifetime experience since I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> no, but it certainly shows the power of nature and, and the awesome power of it. How this volcano turns into lava and really causes this, this dam to come off the, the volcano and, and, and destroys everything in its path before it turns into a rock. Absolutely. Uh, Living in Hawaii has definitely rekindled my understanding for the power of nature, whether it was the rains and floods of last week or Kilauea actively erupting or the constant trade winds here. You know, when I used to go there, I used to be a golfer. And I remember taking a golf ball, hitting it as hard as I could into the wind, and it came back at me and landed up behind me. That's how hard the winds can be there. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome, the amount of winds that are. And they're all, they always seem to be most in, in the late afternoon. And, and, you know, that's how the ancient sailing ships got there, because of the trade winds that were there. Absolutely, as well as guiding by the celestial. So uh, stargazing out here is amazing. Uh, actually, this week, I believe the Geminid meteor sour is, is going right now. 
Unfortunately, where I reside, it's been a little cloudy at night. So I'm hoping for the next few nights for it to be clear so I can see some shooting stars. Okay, so let's talk about your life as an adventurer and how how you have built that philosophy on adventuring. I mean, you have certain things you like to do and certain things you, you put time for this podcast, but you really spend this time doing the things you want when you want to. So let's talk about that. So after I had that forced pause and that created uh, a different perspective for my own lens, I said, there's got to be a way for people to be able to flip a switch or be able to have uh, this evolution process of switching gears or switching your perspective more easily. So I created a mantra that is called look up. And I asked my clan about, you know, what should I name this learning experience, which is basically built off of two tenets. One, be in the moment, and two, find the upside. So any situation that you find yourself in, there's got to be an upside. You may not see it right away, but eventually you will. So look up as a mantra that you could use at any point in time to flip the switch and look at your stuck in a traffic jam, a TSA line, or you just got fired. You can think of it as a door opening or time to listen to your favorite podcast. Then I said, you know, but that's, you know, a little shift in your perspective for a moment. But what about a larger dose? So I said, you know what? If you put yourself in a situation that you have to be focused and maybe you're a little bit scared, that's almost the clarity and energy that you get from meditation. So I have come up with this formula that, that a form of meditation can be adventure. So I tell everyone that adventure is a way to switch your perspective, gain clarity and focus, energy, as well as then when you get those tree limbs, divorces, layoffs, et cetera, or even a pandemic, you get better at flipping that switch and being resilient when the, you know what, hits the fan. And that's important. I think people need to get that resilience and the resilience is there. Uh, you know, the Japanese have this concept of forest bathing, where you literally go on a walk in the forest and allow the forest to heal you so that the forest becomes a meditation for you to take on that new level of meaning that you might not have had otherwise. And it's important to look at all these things around us as how we can can change things. You you mentioned you went snorkeling with sea turtles and now you go uh you know surfing and, and wakeboarding and things like that where these these help you to to get more in tune with your inner self as well, which are also a form of meditation in those own rights. It's something that you learn how to change things. And I want to stress because a lot of people hear the word adventure and they think that that automatically means they have to bungee jump or travel all the way across the world and go to a new place. It can also mean just staying in your neighborhood and doing your routine differently. So if you typically drive to work, ride a bike, 
to work or do your routine backwards. And you'll be surprised what you see, what you notice. And that is indeed an adventure. Uh, it may not be an adrenaline junkie adventure, but it's enough change that you'll notice your world through new eyes. Yeah, right now you're in Hawaii and the weather is, is very warm and balmy. I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, where we've had some pretty drastic snowfall over the last while. Now, it is gorgeous here. The trees are just like the most beautiful trees you could ever imagine at this time. So one thing I like to do is get out and photograph some of those trees because this is not something you have all year round. It's something that is a very short period of time and it makes for a very unique experience in, in that all these trees are just laden with snow. And of course it will melt and it will change and the wind will blow it off at some point in time. So you really have to take advantage of it when it is available. Now, let's talk about some of the other things that you did with that mantra lookup. Let's go into that in a little bit more depth for our listeners. So um, at first, I didn't want to forget the lesson learned. So it was created out of selfishness at first, but then I realized its power needed to be shared with others. That sparked writing of the book. I talk about it in all three of the books. In fact, I creatively placed it on the license plate here on the classic convertible. Um, and I created a logo of lookup that the word look, the two O's are eyes and they're looking up uh, in, gosh, I think I created the Lodo in 2015. And I asked some of my readers, people that liked the message and were using the lookup message, you know, how could I help you remember lookup? How could I help you spread it with others? And they said, well, you make some t-shirts. So I have made some t-shirts and they are fun. They kind of hide the lookup in different scenarios that are also somewhat adventure focused because I believe really the secret recipe here is to use lookup daily and then add a dose of adventure. And that means that you are basically the same effects as meditation, as well as you're evolving to your, for your best self. And uh, so I have here uh, one of my favorite things to do is bike ride. So I have a scene of a bike rider and the lookup is uh, kind of in the cloud there. Uh, I enjoy going and seeing sunsets. So we have a sunset here. Ooh. Yeah, we got it there. Like that. And then also for those that don't like t-shirts, um, I've created little look up bracelets as well as necklaces because some people they don't like to wear things on their chest and be just as forward as others and so they just want a more subtle reminder so uh, i've done some merchandise as well as uh, monthly i write a look up story to my newsletter uh, my blog that is something from the month that caused me to look up 
That's important. Well, Heidi, we're getting close to our end of our time already. It's amazing how time flies by on these shows. I've got two questions to ask. Okay. One's a personal one, Heidi. How do you have a fantastic life? Well, I'm very fortunate to have my health and a second chance on life. So I do not waste a second of it. Not a minute, not a second. Um, And so I take every opportunity to spend time with those that I care about, do what I love, and uh, impart on others to not wait either. That's important. Now, the flip side of this question is how do you recommend our listeners have a fantastic life? Secret recipe. Use lookup on a daily basis. Keep it in your back pocket. You don't need to. It's not heavy. You know, you don't need a battery adapter. You can travel with it. You can have it always. Just whenever you have an obstacle, you say, okay, be in the moment and find the upside. Search for what could be positive and get a frequent dose of adventure. That could be once a week, you do something a little different. Once a month, you take a little road trip. But you also need some of those bigger voyages, like those forest bathings. What uh, I've done the Camino de Santiago in Spain, as well as its sister trail in Japan, the Kumano Kodo. Sometimes you need to do a big walkabout, like I did after my trauma, to not turn the page in a new chapter, but perhaps start a whole new book. Get into another way of looking at things, get into a whole new book. Sometimes it takes a lot of change to make change happen. And, and that's, you have to be open to that change first, which, which you were forced to do. Absolutely. Okay, Heidi. Is there a way people can get in touch with you if they'd like to? Absolutely. Uh, my website is my full name, HeidiSiefkes.com, H-E-I-D-I-S-I-E-F-K-A-S.com. And you'll find me also on most of the major social media channels like we met up on Facebook. So uh, just look out for me. And um, I end every podcast, every blog post and my books with here's to looking up. That's important. And we thank you for for giving us your wisdom today and helping us to share in your adventure. And we hope others will be on that adventure too. Ladies and gentlemen, we were with Heidi Seifkus today. And you can get in touch with her at HeidiSiefkus.com. And you should also look up some of her books that she mentioned in the show because they can help you enjoy your journey through life as well. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you. Have a fantastic day. Likewise. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. We'll be right back.